Good morning. That was more eventful than any one of our youth group meetings. <laughs> Scripture reading today is going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Matthew, chapter 2. Uh, just a few announcements for uh, youth group and young adults this week. Uh, for tonight, there is no youth group. There's the biggest announcement, right? So don't show up tonight. You'll be here all by yourself, and the church will be locked, and it'll be very cold, and you won't be able to get in. So uh, that being said, next week, January 3rd, is our alumni night. So if you are still young at heart and want to get out and you've been in youth group before, come on out. We're not doing anything all that much more special, but you do get to come out and be a part of youth group again. Uh, relive the glory days, as some might say. So <laughs> come on out. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm excited for it. And we're also starting like a whole brand new series that I've been working on. So I'm really excited to get involved with that too. Uh, I hope everybody else would be excited for that part too, but I can understand if you're there for the snacks. I get that too. Um, for those who have signed up for Camp Orchard Hill, we are still on for our weeks in February, and our due date for our payments is January 17th. Okay, so as long as you get your payment to myself or any of the other uh, youth leaders, January 17th, then we'll take care of everything from there. Uh, if any, we have any more uh, news or notes about that, we will be sure to pass it on. The camp has actually been extremely flexible with us this year, um, with everybody, really, this year. Um, so any questions, concerns, please come talk to us. Uh, we want to also thank everybody who has donated to help our youth go to camp. If you still want to help donate for, to get our kids to camp, you can still do that by all means. Uh, you would just write youth on your, on your check or, uh, and drop it in our normal um, offering. We take care of it from there. Thank you again for everyone who has uh, participated in that. Uh, and also for young adults, we will not be meeting this week, but we will be picking up next week, uh, which is the 5th, I believe. Yes, that's what we're going to go with. Whatever Tuesday is next week, I think it's the 5th. Um, so that's when we'll be meeting, and it'll be so much fun to get uh, together with you guys again. Really looking forward to that as well. Uh, so again, we are in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time when, this first star, when the star first appeared, then told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was time to leave, 
Uh, When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you uh, for the time we were able to spend this week with family, uh, with friends. Lord, we thank you for the gift you gave us in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for every blessing you have given us because we are told everything good comes from you, Lord. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you. And Lord, the the time we were able to just enjoy ourselves while we're singing songs, Lord, even ones that we don't recognize and the blessings that they are to our hearts, Lord, we thank you for, for giving us this time. Lord, I ask that you would bless the rest of our service here. Bless each and every one of us Uh, both in this room and every other room in this church and all those who are at home watching, Lord. We thank you for them. We thank you for their hearts. And we ask that you would uh, speak to each and every one of us through this service today. Lord, be with us as we go home today as well and, and help us to remember that your gift not only is celebrated on Christmas, but every day of the year. Lord, help us to apply that to our lives and apply that truth to our reality. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Matthew chapter 2 is normally the the last page, if you will, of the story that we call Christmas. What is interesting is it differs quite a bit from Luke's gospel, but because of the fact that Luke's gospel says how Jesus was born. It begins by telling us that there was a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, to be taxed. And so we understand that Mary and Joseph left to go to Bethlehem because that's where their lineage was. That was the house of David, Bethlehem. The gospel of Matthew, though, tells us why. He had to be born. He was born to be our Savior, our Messiah, our King. Luke's Gospel, Jesus is greeted by shepherds. Matthew's Gospel, he is greeted by what is called wise men. But what has happened over the years, and especially uh, at this time of year anyway, is that we get Christmas cards, and usually on them, not so many now because the Christmas card industry has changed a little bit, but there used to be Christmas cards of three individuals on camels. And those individuals were known as the wise men. I guess the reason that they only put three on a Christmas card is because of the three gifts that were given. But this morning what I want to do in finishing our December study a little bit on looking at it from a theological position instead of a traditional system is that to realize that some of the things that we thought concerning these wise men aren't even in the Word of God. We begin, what's interesting is that as Pastor Steve read for us, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. That opening statement causes us to ask the question, who are these? 
Who are they? Where did they come from? We're not given, when you look at the passage, we're not given hardly any information about them. But this morning, I want to look at their identity, their inquiry, and their destiny or their discovery. Identity, inquiry, and their destiny or discovery. Their identity is very sketchy in the text. We're not given much information about them. One thing that we do know is that sometimes you have to look at the obvious in order to understand what the text is saying. Some translations, it says that these are magi. There's others that say that they're three kings. In fact, we have a famous Christmas carol that we've not sung this year that is entitled, We Three Kings of Orient Are, Bearing Gifts We Traveled Afar. The text doesn't say that they were kings. It does say that they're wise men or magi. Wise men, in fact, were not highlighting the fact that they have a high capability of intelligence It doesn't mean that they scored very high on their SATs to get into the top universities of Babylon. No, that's not what the word wise men means here. They were magi. What's interesting about magi is that they can be viewed as both being positive and negative. The Scriptures tells us, especially when you go back to Numbers chapter 22, you see this interesting individual by the name of Balaam. And Balaam is as the, the king that wants him to curse the nation of Israel. Obviously, he can't because God won't let him. But the, the king says to Balaam that you have the power to be able to say both good and bad things. You can bring a blessing and a cursing. Scored for us in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14. Magi were individuals who looked at stars. They were not individuals that we would go to in the paper and, and get a, a morning briefing as to how our day is going to be going. Uh, we don't need to read in the paper that today you're going to have a terrible day, stay at home. No, we're, I don't look for horoscopes. In fact, the first word of that phrase should keep you away from that horror. We don't, we don't need that. These individuals were not into that. These individuals, these magi, were more, if you will, interested in gazing at the stars, in fact, charting the stars, in order that they really believed that the diagram, if you will, the stars, the determination of the stars, affected life. And in fact, they went a step further They looked at the stars as a sign from God to people to gaze upon in order that they would be blessed. Magi. A little bit about their identity. We don't know how many really came. The Scriptures do not say anything about that. I I will tell you this, that as seeing these importance of these individuals, They would not have traveled by themselves. They would have had an entourage. 
they most likely would have had some individuals that would travel with them to protect them from robbers and thieves, if you will, along the way. So we really don't know how many came. There could have been three, there could have been more, but there also could have been less. There could have been just two. And one individual could have brought all the gifts and the other individual just standing there with his mouth wide open. And we don't know. We have, in fact, all it even tells us also is that they came from the east. We don't know their names. We have no identity. In fact, in the pictures, it shows us that they are dressed in regal robes with fantastic turbans. Even sometimes they're pictured as having crowns. Now, I've never ridden a camel. I have no idea what it takes to ride a camel, but I would dare say that if you're riding the camel in the desert, you might want to tone it down just a little bit. Regal robes and a crown or fantastic turban might not be the travel equipment of the day of a long journey. So what do we do with this? Without any information, what do we do? How do we identify this? Sometimes it's just better to just go on and leave it alone. Because they're not the important ones. But what is interesting, though, is we do get some identity from them, from their inquiry. They ask a question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? for we have come to worship Him. Most recently, you saw that on December the 21st, though we could not in our area, because it was cloudy those nights, we couldn't see the crossing of Jupiter and Saturn together to make what was described as being the the star of Christ. Is that what God did? I don't know. The the reason I say that I don't believe it was a crossing of planetary formations to create this brightness in the sky is because apparently Saturn and Jupiter don't stay aligned too long in order to create that distinction. This stayed for quite a while. Their interesting question leads to us to wonder about how did they know? How did these magi know that a king of the Jews was going to be born? Can you imagine their wives asking them a question? You're going where? I thought you said it was a business trip. Well, it is sort of a business trip. Well, why are you going? Well, and then she said, now you haven't been reading those writings of Daniel, have you? I told you to stop doing that because it's messing you up. I doubt that that's what the conversation was, but how did they know that there was this king being born King of the Jews. What's interesting is many years prior to this occasion, 
there were a number of individuals that were taken by the nation of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar brought out some of the most intelligent individuals from Israel and Judah to bring in captive into Babylon. One of them was Daniel. He is usually associated with three other individuals that we know more of their Babylonian name than we do of their Hebrew name, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. No, Abednego. But yet it was Daniel. And I'll let you do your homework that you might remember in Daniel chapter 2, he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he talks about a stone that comes from heaven and smashes the gigantic statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And he speaks of a kingdom that will never end. And then in chapter 7, Daniel again sees a vision. He sees an individual that has the form of a man. And he has this conversation. It's the chapter where the individual says to Daniel, I, we heard your prayer 21 days ago, but it took me three weeks to get through the barrage of the, of the enemy. But in that, Daniel is allowed to see and he saw a picture of what he claimed to be Messiah. And then in Daniel chapter 9, again, Daniel is allowed to see the very last week it's called the 70th week of Daniel. It's known as the Great Tribulation period of time. But it references in that the fact that the first 62 weeks, the first 69 weeks, excuse me, are fulfilled at the taking away of the Messiah. You kind of wonder if this influence that was written in the Mesopotamia Chronicles was what gave these magi the understanding that something special God was doing. But what about the star? Where in the world did that come from? Now, you have to understand, these magi were not just stargazers, they were also theologians. Because you'll notice in their statement, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have come to worship him. The word worship there is the word that is throughout all of the New Testament in reference to worshiping God and God alone. No other form. And so they knew in coming to see this king that they were going to be worshiping Deity. Someone called them, they're like scientific theologians or theological scientists. They were moving, if you will, expecting to see God. That's what they were doing. 
<coughs> excuse me. But you'll notice as they come into town, they begin to ask the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? I've been on the streets of New York City a few times. And sometimes when you go up to them and ask individuals, I said, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? I don't know. Okay, I'll go to someone else. How is it that you get to Carnegie Hall? And all of you, I know you just want to blurt out, practice, practice, practice. I got that. I'm talking the, 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 the location. And you can go through half a dozen individuals and ask them, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And they have no idea. You're in New York City. You should know these things. I wonder if the wise men, as they came into Jerusalem, which, by the way, we'll get to it a little bit later, you'll notice that they they might have taken their eyes off of the star and began to, to rely upon their intellect. A king should be in the capital, Jerusalem. The star went somewhere else. Well, we'll get to that just a little bit later. And they're walking the streets saying, we're here to see the king. And the text tells us that everybody got upset. I, I want to move along. I, I don't want to spend any time on Herod. Uh, he's a sorry sort, sort of a person. He, uh, he's gloomy. Uh, he's a dangerous man. And this is Christmas, and I don't want to touch him today. Well, maybe we'll get back to him some other day. But for now, I just want to focus on the wise men. And they're asking, where is he? Where's this newborn king? It's interesting, the ones that did know were the religious leaders. The scribes and the Pharisees got summoned by Herod. And they knew exactly the passage that they needed to turn to. And they said verbatim, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, when it says for us in the text in verse 6, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. What's amazing about these wise men is this. The straightest line from where they came from, which I believe to be Babylon area, Mesopotamia area, the straightest line from there to Jerusalem is 800 miles. That's as the crow flies. That's as the 747 goes. Again, I don't know much about camels, but sometimes they have a mind of their own. And they may not go the straightest route. Plus, they could only travel at night because they could only see the star at night. I don't know how fast a camel goes. I've never ridden one. I don't want to. And, but let's say they could travel in the evening. They could travel about 20 miles a day. That would take them 
40 days of travel. 40 days. Their wives again interjecting 40 days. Business trip? Well, it really is sort of a business trip. We're going to go see a king. How important is a king that would travel 40 days? These individuals were committed to their journey. They wanted to see the king who they knew to be God. What's interesting concerning the religious individuals that gave them the answer to their inquiry is that Jerusalem to Bethlehem is only six miles. And they didn't go. Let me list for you five things that they discovered when they got to Jerusalem. Number one, they were in the wrong place. They were in the wrong place. They, they came to Jerusalem thinking that that would be the place where the king, because you have to understand this, dear people, they did not exactly know when Jesus was born. They only saw the star. And so, we can conjecture this too, is that this, and I want you to get this ingrained in you, if you have a nativity scene, remove the wise men. You see, in Bethlehem, when, it, you know, when the shepherds arrived at 6.30, no, the wise men didn't arrive at 9.30 before they shut the town down. That's not how it was at all, because the text tells us now, after Jesus was born. Jesus wasn't in the manger. And these wise men had no idea of how old this king was. All they knew is they needed to get to him. They were in the wrong place. They were told, not in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem. Now when you stop and think about 800 miles they traveled compared to the shepherds maybe having just a short jaunt to get there. And these wise men were committed. What's interesting about that too, dear people, is this. Stop and think about this. All of us have come from different societies and different, if you will, points where we were introduced to Jesus Christ in order that we would come to the same point, which is the Savior. There is only one way into the presence of God, and that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? But there are many ways to get to Him. Some have taken longer journeys than others. Some have had some difficulties. Some have had to break, if you will, other thought patterns. But all in all, God does not pander to the intelligence of atheists. But He will 
bring about the joy of intellects who are interested in finding him. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13 says these words, Had you will seek me, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The writer of Hebrews says it almost the same way when it says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. These individuals were rewarded, bringing them to the place that they could meet the Savior. The first thing they discovered is they were in the wrong place. The second thing they discovered is this, is that religious people were not really interested in seeing the King. Religious people were not interested in seeing the King. They had the information. They had all that the wise men needed to know concerning the place of where the birth of this king was going to be, but they themselves were not interested in going. They had the intellect. They had all the information, but what they lacked was application. They weren't about to leave. I think it saddens my heart when we see so many churches that are dying. It's because maybe, just maybe, the preacher has all the information, but he himself doesn't have the application. He preaches from the pulpit, but yet in reality he has no relationship with the one that he's preaching about. And so how can he tell people how to meet him? It's empty. These religious people had no interest in going to see the king. The third thing that they found is that they needed the Scriptures to give them direction. They needed the Scriptures to give them the direction. They're in the wrong place, and the Scriptures gave them the right direction, the place that they needed to go. Dear people, when we find ourselves wondering and searching for answers, the best place to go is to the Scriptures. For it will be there that you'll get direction. The Lord will reveal himself through his word. In fact, what's really great is that the word of God introduces us to the Son of God. The word of God introduces us to the one who is known as the word in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The Lord always uses His Word to bring people to Himself. These these wise men needed the Scriptures to get them going in the right direction. The text says that when they left Herod's palace, they rejoiced. As one author says, they were jazzed. Because when they got out there, there was the star again. And the star, and they followed it, and they took them to the house of where the young child was. Right there, you should know that it didn't take them to the manger. 
took them to a house. They didn't go to see a baby. They saw a young child. There's also a part in Luke's Gospel that you pay attention to in chapter 2 after Jesus' birth. Eight days, then He was circumcised and named. And then after Mary's purification, which would have been 33 more days, He was taken to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. And in that dedication, it says that they offered two turtle doves or two pigeons. Now according to Leviticus chapter 13, that was allowable if you didn't have wealth. If the wise men would have made it to the manger, they would have had gold. And then that sacrifice of pigeons, God would not have accepted. So they didn't get there. Do not make me come to your house and inspect your manger scenes. Take the shepherd, just move them out a little bit, to the left or to the right, it don't matter, just get them out of there. They didn't get there. They went to a house. Have your husband build you a little house for them. Then they can go there. They weren't there. But when they came to the house and they saw the child, it says that they bowed and worshipped him. Don't miss that. It didn't say that they worshipped them. The text tells us that one day they got to the house, they saw the child, the young child, and Mary his mother. Joseph probably was there sometime, but he wasn't mentioned. That's just the way it goes. You know, when a newborn baby is born, moms are the highlight, and that's the way it should be. I understand that. That's, that's great. But the wise men didn't come to worship them. They came to worship Him, the baby, the young child. Most likely, close to two years old. We, we know that because Herod asked the wise men, when did the, what, what time did the star appear? So it gives you an understanding that they didn't arrive the next day. They didn't come by FedEx which, by the way, you're not getting your Christmas gifts anyway by FedEx. In transit. That's what it says. And you're kind of wondering, where's it going? Uh, for another time and another sermon, I'm sure. And so Herod destroyed male children two, two years old and younger. That's what the text says. But as they came into the house, they worshipped Him, Jesus. And they presented Him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for the king. Frankincense for the priest. Myrrh for the sacrifice. He is our priestly king, even this day. 
But after that, they left. And they went another way because they were warned in a dream. Now, the story doesn't end there because I have some questions. One day, I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to ask questions of individuals that we meet in glory. Maybe there won't be any questions to ask. I don't know, but if I could have interviewed the wise men, I would have had a couple of questions. I would have asked them, did you ask the mother what the child's name was? We're not told in the text that they spoke, but everybody wants to know the name of the child. We, we called him, we named him Jesus. Why? Did you ask her why did they, did they name him Jesus? We know that it says that for he will save his people for their sins. But the ultimate question is this, dear people. Is that they came and they brought gifts of earth to give to the heavenly king. But did they leave with a gift of heaven in their hearts? Did they even at that time believe and trust that this one is the Messiah? You may be like the wise men this morning that you're so keyed in the detail that you want answers to life. You want to know what it is that God is doing. And you may be searching. And this morning you were introduced to He who was born King of the Jews in the Scriptures written for us. The question is this, the ultimate question. Do you have the gift of heaven in your heart? Have you trusted and believed in him alone as the great Messiah, the one who will wash away our sins? I trust you have. If not, Seek me, seek Pastor Steve out and the elders of the church that we would love to take the Scriptures and show you how you can know you have eternal life. Because that, dear people, is the reason Jesus came. Let's pray. We again thank you, our God, for the preciousness of your gift. And the glory that is ours that believing in Him affords to us eternal life. And no greater joy, no greater gift than that. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has questions like the wise men, trying to figure out life, trying to come to some understanding as to what is all of this about, Lord, I pray that they would find their answers in Your Word that will lead them to the Savior. So again, we 
thank you, our Lord, for the glory and the joy that is ours in Christ Jesus. And may we never lose sight that every day is Christ's day. And we will rejoice in the greatness of our Savior. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.